Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So if you follow politics and you have a habit of watching cable news, there's one thing you sort of see from time to time, which is it sort of seems like they have a way of hyping up every election. This is the biggest election of our lifetime. You've ever seen that before? And it's sort of like professional wrestling, how every WrestleMania is bigger than any other one's ever been before. And it just sort of seems like you kind of fall into the habit of hyping everything as bigger than anything's ever been before. Well, I say all that to say this. I sort of feel like this time of year we have a habit around here and probably anywhere where Georgia fans get together of kind of doing that for G-Day, the annual spring scrimmage, which will take place for Georgia this upcoming Saturday. We have a way of viewing this. And for me, it's it feels authentically true, although maybe it doesn't always come across that way. But it just sort of feels like every G-Day, oh my gosh, this is the biggest, the most interesting G-Day we've ever had. Because I do sort of feel like that's what this upcoming Saturday's G-Day feels like, but I also am self-aware enough to know that we've probably said this a lot before over the course of the you know years we've been doing this. But in particular, this year's G-Day I think is fascinating. This is a Georgia team that has won two straight national championships and obviously shoots for a third, go for three and 23 here for this upcoming season. But there's big changeover in terms of how George is going to be able to get that done. And maybe no area in which the change is more significant than that quarterback where Stetson Bennett's not here anymore the guy that's helped lead them to these last two national championships he's no longer part of the program and we're left to find out okay is his you know next in line here to fill his shoes is that going to be Carson Beck last year's backup is that going to be Brock Vandergriff the former five-star that to me is really fascinating it's not the only thing fascinating about G-Day and over the course of the next few days here on the show I think we'll do our part to kind of preview a lot of this but it is certainly maybe the most interesting aspect of what's going to happen for the dogs the red team against the black team coming up on Saturday and with that in mind Kirby Smart to conclude another week of spring practice on Saturday spoke about what he'd seen from Georgia during these practices here thus far and I think a lot of what smart said sets the stage for a very entertaining day on saturday so what we're going to do here for a couple of minutes is sort of use smart's words as a little bit of a template for how we can all view g day on saturday and at least based on kind of a short throwaway comment that kirby offered this uh past weekend there's one thing we can go into saturday expecting at least based on how george has been managing its practices thus far during the spring this is short but i want to let you hear it because i think it sets the stage what we can maybe kind of expect to see from the dogs inside Sanford Stadium on Saturday. This is Kirby reflecting on uh, his uh, scrimmage work from this past week, Kirby from Saturday. Probably you know, didn't attempt to run the ball, but we, we didn't run the ball as well as we did first scrimmage. Why? Maybe a little intentional because we want to evaluate the quarterbacks and we want to throw the ball more with them. So obviously during the season when Georgia's out there beating up opponents, Georgia fans like the idea of being RBU and putting a great crop of running backs out there in the field and kind of dominating physically their opponents, especially with a lead in the second half. Georgia fans like it. There's long history and heritage of great running back play at Georgia, and during the season, that's what Georgia fans want. But if we're to be honest here for a moment, I'm not really quite so sure that's what the majority of Georgia fans want on G-Day. On G-Day, especially in a year like this, in which you've got a quarterback competition taking place, I think Georgia fans want to see Georgia throw the ball on G-Day, maybe even more than it typically would during a regular game. And if Georgia operates on G-Day the same way that it has in some of its scrimmage work this spring, well, maybe that's what you're going to see because you just heard Kirby Smart say right there of, hey, I don't know if it was a great day for our running backs, and I don't know if I was able to evaluate them during this closed-door scrimmage this past week all that well because intentionally we were avoiding running plays because we want our quarterbacks to throw the football. We want to see what we have in those guys right now. That's what Kirby Smart said. Well, guess what? If that's what Kirby Smart is thinking, to me, I think that sets up for most Georgia fans as good news going into a spring scrimmage on Saturday because you better believe – for those tuning in to watch it on television, for those showing up in Sanford Stadium, lucky enough to get tickets to be able to do that, I do think they want to see Georgia throw the ball a lot. I think they want to see what Brock Vandegrift brings to the table. I think they want to see what Carson Beck brings to the table. And Gunnar Stockton, too, as well. I think that Georgia fans want to see what these quarterbacks are all about as a way of determining, okay, is this quarterback competition really close? Does one of these guys, by appearances, look ahead of the other guy? Is there a pecking order that's starting to fall in place? Well, Kirby Smart kind 
kind of gives you a little bit of a hint based on the way he said he handled Georgia's most recent closed door scrimmage. That's exactly how Georgia may operate in this particular situation on Saturday. And then going beyond that, Kirby also gives all of us a very clear checklist of what to look for. If you're wanting to see for yourself who the very best quarterback is, if you're wanting to see for yourself who might be ahead in terms of earning that starting quarterback opportunity, Kirby Smart laid it out in pretty clear terms about exactly what he wants to see from an operation standpoint, including highlighting one play in particular that we all ought to notice when we get together between the edges on Saturday afternoon. Here's Kirby Smart once again talking about kind of how his quarterbacks are operating from like a cerebral standpoint between the years and then he moves into specifically on the field in action what he wants to see this is very candid stuff from Kirby it was from Saturday take a listen to it less boneheadedness today uh than previous um I, I don't think the second scrimmage was you know there were there were moments where it's like okay at this point concede the down live for another down if that happens to be third down, that's okay. You can punt. You can kick a field goal. You can go forward on fourth, but you can if you have boneheadedness. And they they seem to uh, grasp that better. But they they all need to play. They all need to play football. Go out and play football. Not have a drill. Not routes on air. Not seven on seven. They need to play. And that's what we're trying to do in our practices is make sure we get enough playing. Playing is third down. There's no greater pressure on a quarterback than third down. I mean, first and second down, play action and handoff, eh, not a lot there. It's either there or it's not. Third down, you know, that's where you make the separation, and, and we're trying to put those guys in that situation so we can improve them. There's two things about that clip I absolutely love. First of all, there's this. You know, sometimes a coach like Kirby Smart, you could almost expect to hear him downplay G-Day you know, maybe someone like Kirby might say something in effect of, you know, we get X number of practices during the spring. In a lot of ways, this G-Day is only one of those practices for us, basically not trying to make too much of it. Who knows? Maybe Kirby Smart reserves the right. Maybe he'll say something like that on Saturday. But in this particular clip you just heard, it seems like Kirby's taking the opposite tact. Instead of saying, hey, let's not make too much of G-Day, Kirby Smart seems to be enhancing the importance of G-Day, saying this is our chance to create some real football opportunities for you because my understanding is they kind of really dealt with the weather a little bit you know they tried to have a scrimmage on Thursday I guess because of the fact that they knew it was going to rain on Saturday get lightning ended up taking them indoors and I guess they didn't like the idea of having the full scrimmage type thing inside for various reasons and so I don't quite know that Georgia got its full scrimmage in this past week the way that it wanted to at least that's my understanding of the situation so uh therefore all the more important this upcoming Saturday for G-Day because as Kirby Smart says listen there's only so much evaluating we can do in a drill. There's only so much evaluating we can do when we're trying to play pretend football during practice. There is a certain point in which you got to play real football. And G-Day is not quite real football, but the TV cameras are on. The band's going to be playing. The fans are in the stands. That's about as close of an approximation to real football as you can get without playing another opponent. And who knows, maybe one day we'll see Georgia do that for a spring game. But for now, this is what you got. And Kirby Smart, I think, with the words that he uses there, kind of enhances the importance of G-Day on Saturday, which if you're a fan, you've got to ticket in your hand or you're looking forward to getting together with some friends and watching on tv that makes you more excited right i mean that makes you more into this uh that to me sets up for a pretty entertaining day when kirby smart himself is sort of amping up the importance of what happens when this team plays something that sort of looks like real football against itself and then to take matters to another level kirby smart also kind of zeroes in something here kind of thin slices for you a little bit and says hey specifically i want to see what these guys do on third down that to me is going to be the the, the line of demarcation that's going to be the measuring stick for who's doing what what are you doing on third down well you better believe if that's what kirby smart says he's watching i would advise georgia fans to watch that there as well i mean clearly there's just something to be said for avoiding third down and operating the offense in such a way you don't get there or make it third and short so it's a little bit easier to handle of course there's you know something to be said for that but at some point in time in this game there's going to be a third and seven or a third and eight or third and nine what kind of decisions get made then what kind of plays get made then can somebody keep the drive alive move the chains and set yourself up for a scoring opportunity if they do between the two guys we expect or we believe are competing to be the starter brock vanderriff and carson beck 
that could go a long way towards actually determining who may be in the best overall position to eventually win this quarterback job. I think it's really cool that Kirby Smart kind of zeroes in on specifically what to watch for from the quarterbacks on this particular Saturday. I, I think it makes it more entertaining. But then to kind of circle back to something we were talking about before, you know, Kirby Smart saying, hey, I'm not really quite so sure how much we've gotten a chance to evaluate the running backs as of late because we have been trying to throw the football more. And Georgia fans, I do believe, want to see that on G-Day. But in addition to that, I mean, there is also, I think, some excitement about some young Georgia running backs. We know the situation here. Uh, Kendall Milton, veteran who's been here for a while, he's a little bit banged up. Dejon Edwards, veteran running back, who I think has a pretty high level of expectation around him for the upcoming season, he's a little bit banged up. So that kind of opens the door for a guy we talked about last week, the true freshman Roderick Robinson, and a guy who's been here now for a year, Branson Robinson. And Branson in particular has got a large fan base that follows him. You understand why that is. He was a guy who came out of the state of Mississippi as a high school running back, a lot of accolades around him, and now getting a chance to see him in an even bigger role in this particular G-Day on Saturday in what could be an even bigger year for him here at Georgia and it sounds like uh, one of the guys that Georgia fans are looking forward to watching on Saturday Robinson it sounds like he's had for himself a pretty good spring all the more reason to sort of see what he brings to the table on G-Day in fact this is the update that Kirby gave us on Branson Robinson from Saturday there as well well you, you see more things he needs to improve on because you get to see more things period but you also see flashes of uh, explosiveness uh, burst of uh, improvement you know, he's had a couple runs where he's really shown flexibility to drop his pads, take on contact, keep going, uh, knock on wood. His ball security's been good. Uh, his pass pro could use some improvement, but he's worked hard on that. He had a couple really good pickups today. Um, so I think these opportunities for growth for him have been really good. You know, he got lots of opportunities last year to run the ball where maybe you guys didn't see it, but we saw it because he, he did it in practice. But he didn't get as much pass protection and, and routes out of the backfield as he's getting now. So. Um, it's given him a chance to to really put himself in position to have a great fall once again very candid from Kirby I would say mostly complimentary for a guy that already is a big fan favorite maybe a chance to showcase some of that on G-Day there as well as Georgia kind of works through its offensive identity for the upcoming season which of the Georgia running back can, can really be dependent on to kind of give this team the ground attack that it needs how do you pair that with a passing attack that we hope and expect to be as as potent as it was the last couple of years with Todd Munkin at the helm now transitioning to uh, the Mike Bobo era as offensive coordinator now in his second stint here at UGA and to kind of finish things up with Kirby he also talked about that there too that right now the whole you know I guess offensive installation is still a little bit of a work in progress and the main thing to find out on Saturday is which pieces can you put into which places to kind of create the the best version of Georgia offensively Kirby knowing it's only spring but the work you do now sets the stage for what you'll eventually do here this fall here is Kirby smart on that topic about exactly what he's looking for as far as an offensive identity for this Georgia team here this season Kirby once again yeah, offensive personality is always what you have, right? Whatever you have, you use what you have. Um, and, and right now, it's not like we're not like saying, ooh, let's cater our offense to Brock, Ladd, Kendall Milton, who's not out there. We're, we're not doing that. We're, we're, we're evaluating players, not plays. We're trying to figure out what players can help us. Then we'll worry about the plays. So uh, I don't put a lot of pressure on offensive identity in the spring. Like, we got to figure out who the quarterback is. we got to figure out who the guys to get the ball are, uh, who are the guys that without the ball in their hands are valuable. Those are harder to find than guys. I mean, we got about 10 guys out there. We can put the ball in their hand, they're going to make plays, but who's blocking for them? I'm, I'm a lot more interested in who that is and figuring out who that is. So that's kind of where we are on that. So I don't know about you, but all the stuff that Kirby Smart is saying makes this a football game for me on Saturday that I really want to watch. Who's the quarterback going to be between Brock Vanderriff and Carson Beck? Sounds like we'll see a lot from both these guys as well as Gunnar Stockton this upcoming Saturday. And then when we're not seeing them throw the football, it's young running backs like Branson Robinson and Roderick Robinson on display, getting a chance to learn a little bit more about what they bring to the table. And then the crop of playmakers around that, newcomers at wide receiver, the next phase of a tight end group at Georgia that seemed to be pretty impressive too more on that as the week goes along all of this for Georgia offense that really has high expectations for it this has been one of the best units in the country the last couple of years to go along with great defensive play there's really no reason even with change at quarterback and change with the offensive coordinator and key losses off the offensive line there's no reason why this group can't be just as successful again in 2023 but the work for doing that is going on this spring. And the final exam of this spring session takes place on Saturday. And the good news, all of us 
get a chance to see that with our own eyes. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We're glad to have you with us, no matter how you may get to us today. Live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, lots of different ways to watch us on video. We appreciate you finding us however you might get a chance to. Also on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. Great to have you there as a part of that. For those who tune in on the radio in the Classic City, and of course, as a podcast, wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, the worldfamousdognation.com, lots of ways to connect with us podcast-wise. We just try to make the show as available as we can, as many ways we can. We just appreciate all of you who find some way that you enjoy to enjoy this show. Truly grateful for all of that. And really thankful for our friends at Palo Window and Door of Georgia there as well, equipping your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. That does a couple of things for you. Makes your house look better on the outside, which makes you a better neighbor, of course, taking care of that curb appeal. But also, better curb appeal could also benefit you in terms of better resale value when you're ready to do that. But not only that, those Pella windows and doors do a great job of keeping the stuff that's supposed to stay on the outside on the outside. That means when it's windy and rainy like it was on Saturday, you don't feel that draft inside your house. You don't have that sort of damp feeling inside there. No, because the properly fitted and sealed uh, quality product the Pella's known for, those windows and doors, they keep all that junk on the outside where it's supposed to be, keeping you nice and comfortable on the inside there as well. So it may be time, if you want to make the best possible decisions you can to take the best possible care of your home, it may be time to have a conversation with one of those Pella experts right now. Now, the good news is this is not a pressure type thing. This is just an informational meeting. You can find out about the full line of Pella products. You can find out what makes them the best, survey after survey here in our market area. Homeowners identifying uh, Pella windows and doors as the uh, true recognized best in this particular space. You can find out why. You can also learn about installation options, uh, financing options, if that's something you're interested in. You can learn about all of that. Stop by and see them right there in their experience center in Duluth. You can get more on that. Or you can begin your experience online by going to PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Also give them a call at 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. By the way, right now, also take advantage of great savings. Between now and May 22nd, you can get 10% off your entire project or 0% APR for 24 months. All of that from Pella Window and Door of Georgia, truly viewed to be the best. We're going to talk to John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a moment. A lot to get into with John. We'll kind of keep our G-Day preview going with him here in just a moment. Prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse. I want to talk some UGA recruiting here for a moment because dogs got some good news yesterday. As Elias Williams, who's a five-star prospect for the class of 2025, and I guess the recruiting service sort of have him listed as an edge rusher, but Georgia recruiting him as a tight end. Williams making his pledge to the dogs yesterday. I'll show you a nice social media edit here of Williams out there uh, with the dogs take a look at him looking good in this georgia uniform nice uh, social media edit you see ugga there you see the uh, g glowing behind him so uh good to bring in uh, Eli- elias williams into the uh, class here for georgia for that class of 2025 and dog nation had a chance to catch up with williams about what it was that made him want to choose georgia why it was that he do did that i'll read this uh clip uh, this this quote here from me from elias williams about why it was that he chose georgia maybe no surprise that Todd Hartley is a big factor in all of this. Uh, Williams saying that the talks I've had with Kirby Smart and Todd Hartley, he says, I grew up on the Georgia Bulldogs and have an opportunity to stay at home and be a part of the dynasty. Boy, that word sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, calling Georgia a dynasty after two straight national championships, I think you'd have to say that's kind of what Georgia is and looking to build on that even more. And you love the idea that Williams is calling Georgia a dynasty. He says, it's a tough decision to deny, and I felt like it was a perfect time. So, I think all that's great. He comes out of a Charlton County program, which is one of the really the best kind of lower classification programs in the state of Georgia, traditionally, typically very talent rich. And obviously, Williams is an example of that. And I think he gave great, really gave you great reasoning for why it was he chose UGA. The tradition of success that Kirby Smart's helped build there and the impact of Todd Hartley. And, you know, this is one of those things that kind of causes me to kind of go back on something we heard Kirby Smart say there a moment ago of, hey, you know, we're trying to figure out what our offensive personality is. And obviously, to a place like Georgia, there is some responsibility 
to get as many different guys involved in the story as you can that keeps players happier it keeps them the play in the program longer Kirby said what to us last week I believe that their ultimate goal is to keep 70 percent of the players they sign out of high school with the program prevent them from transferring I think that Georgia's doing a pretty good job with that so making everyone sort of feel like they have some buy-in and an opportunity to succeed that's a part of the story at Georgia but in addition to that there are going to be some position groups that just sort of step to the forefront more so than others I don't think there's any denying that tight end at Georgia has been one of those spots. And when you talk about the overall playing personality of the Georgia offense, utilizing tight ends in the most creative way, ways possible and, and, and utilizing the unique athletic skill sets these players bring to the table, in a lot of ways, that really is the Georgia identity. Now, that's not a button you always have to pu- push. You know, we would see games last year, which Brock Bowers, who I believe is truly one of the very best players in the country, Maybe he didn't always get a lot of touches, but the final game of the season against TCU, a national championship where there was really nothing to save. You might as well just sort of throw everything you got out there. When that game, Bowers had darn near 200 yards receiving and almost got 1,000 yards for the season. So Georgia right now is showing that it can use tight ends better than anyone in the country, and that's one of the reasons why. You've got guys like Lawson Lucky, we'll talk more about later on this week, uh, impressive recruit from the class of 2023. He's already uh, paying big dividends at Georgia. A guy like Oscar Delp, waiting in the wings from the class of 2022, he's going to get his chance to do the same kind of stuff. Look at Landon Thomas, class of 2024, and now Williams for the class of 2025. This is an identity that has been cemented into place at Georgia because of the work of a guy like Todd Hartley, and the good news is Kirby Smart knows this full well too. Go back to 2021 here for moment Kirby Smart talking about just how well Georgia has incorporated the tight ends and what it wants to do offensively if this was true when Kirby Smart said this almost two years ago it appears even more true now this is Kirby on the success of tight ends with Georgia landing another big commit from one here this weekend coach Hartley's done a great job first it starts with recruiting go get good players and then get them to buy into the team and buy into blocking and being selfless and then buy in to making plays when you get an opportunity. I think again, the whole offensive staff puts a plan together that off of our play action, uh, our tight ends are weapons. They're size guys. They make plays down the field. And we've got a good, tight, talented tight end room. And as long as they buy in to the team first concept, then we got a chance to be successful. Sometimes the simplest point's the most accurate. And simply put, Todd Hartley is one of the very best assistant coaches in all of college football. And no matter what George is paying him, it almost certainly comes at a bargain because I don't know that anyone has recruited a position better than Hartley does, especially understanding the fact that unlike some position groups where you have multiple targets every single year for the most part George is only targeting one or maybe two tight ends in any given year the 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 opportunity for landing big names just smaller and yet Hartley almost seems to always land exactly the player that he's looking for including a situation like this now one and two years ahead in terms of big commits for both the class of 2024 and now 2025 and Hartley's success as a recruiter has allowed Georgia to incorporate tight ends into its overall offensive personality the names may change there's no Darnell Washington this year but that just means more chance for Oscar Dell more chance for Lawson Lucky to go along with Brock Bowers who I do truly believe in his third season is set to be one of the very best players in the entire country so why wouldn't you keep the pipeline of recruiting going and that's exactly what Hartley seems to be doing for Georgia right now and the dogs on the field undoubtedly reaping the benefits there another big commitment there at that tight end position and that is around the doghouse on dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of georgia today so for more on that and for more on what's going to happen for georgia on g day on saturday let's get a great preview of that with a guy we love talking to each and every monday it's the former uga all-american it's john stinchcomb here today on dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of georgia From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So I do want to talk about G-Day a lot, but John, let me bring you in on what we are just discussing. You know, Elias Williams is a tight end for the class of 2025. That's still a ways away in terms of him being, you know, here in Athens. But Georgia's also already got a big tight end committed for the class of 2024 and Landon Thomas out of Colquitt County. And, you know, that goes along with, uh, you know, Lawson Lucky, who's seemingly having a very good spring for Georgia right now. Oscar Delp, you're older than that, who seems to be in line for a lot more playing time this year, too. You know, John, as an offensive tackle, you line up next to those tight ends from time to time. How valuable do you believe it is that Georgia, through Todd Harley's recruiting and the way in which the offensive system has utilized these guys, how valuable do you think it is that Georgia has become such a destination for the tight end position? 
It's amazing how the conversation has changed. I know five years ago when we had we were talking about tight ends, it was, you know, are we able to recruit the national level five star tight ends because of the way we've utilized them? And what's been proven over time is Georgia's exceptional at utilizing tight ends. I think you look at when we first had those conversations with Darnell Washington and obviously Brock Bowers on the table, it was. Can, can we draw that type of talent, and then can we utilize it once it gets here? And I think everyone has answered those questions, and it becomes that great recruiting tool for, for your ability to, to draw those players and say, hey, not only will you have great opportunities once you get here, but we're going to develop you and you know, further your skills, which I think is what Georgia's done an exceptional job of. When we were talking about Stetson Bennett last week, it was – you know, with his success uh, and what he's been able to do, can we draw more attention for, you know, those five-star quarterbacks? And I think what Georgia's been able to do at the tight end uh, position kind of speaks for itself, and, and Todd Hartley definitely deserves uh, a lion's share of the credit there. I, I think if you gave me the choice of having the best wide receiver in the country, the best tight end in the country, I know most of the average fans probably gravitate towards the receivers. It seems like you know they get a lot of the attention, but I'm not quite so sure it's not better to have the best tight end in the country because of the versatility it provides your offense. You can use them as a weapon in the running game. That's what Georgia did with Darnell Washington, but that guy can also be a weapon in the passing game. That's what Brock Bowers has been, and I also believe that Bowers is a better blocker than he's given credit for. In terms of the overall versatility of what it brings to the table – um i'm not i think it's actually probably better to have the very best tight end george may prove that this year with brock bowers once again and you better believe a team that doesn't use tight ends they're just not winning the national championship these teams that only go four wide receiver that don't have the tight end to me they begin the year outside of the national championship conversation that's just too finesse oriented for my taste so I, I think that georgia has kind of found a niche here with the tight end position at a time in which i think the overall position is actually really important at both the college and the professional level and it's because it it demands so much from a defense it's a personnel and scheme issue when an offense has a a threat at the tight end position because of the flexibility because of the versatility of is this run or pass is he in line is he a slot wide receiver uh where's he gonna line up the the pressure that it puts on a defense is unique different from uh, a wide receiver where you know we can rotate some coverage and we can kind of highlight what he does best and and try to eliminate those things with a tight end because of that versatility and when they excel at both run blocking and in the pass game, it causes a, a, a real uh, challenge for a defensive coordinator. Uh, who are you going to deploy? If he's a wide, rece- wide receiver threat, you, you, know, you, you would think they'd want to bring an extra defensive back on the field and match up with the speed. But if they're also adept at, at blocking in the run game, then you've just created a mismatch for yourself um, to hold up at the point of attack. So it's a real challenge for, for coordinators, and I think because of the progression of the game and the, the more flexibility that uh, offensive coordinators have found with the position, the ability to use uh, the tight end as a slot-wide receiver, and sometimes we see them line up at you know the outside position, it creates those matchups that they're looking for to – not only have opportunities for for that tight end to excel, but also uh, you can kind of manipulate what the defense is doing to create holes for other other players. Let me ask you this, and I was not going to ask you this, but now I guess I I, I kind of want to. So Williams is from Charlton County, and he talked about in the story from Dog Nation on over the weekend about this was kind of an emotional decision for him because he says he grew up cheering for the Georgia Bulldogs, and there was a little bit of an emotional tie for him to UGA and it just sort of seems like John for whatever reason that south of Atlanta we hear guys say this kind of thing a lot whether it be Charlton County or Cocker County or you know all across 
you know, the sort of state sort of south of, you know, Macon, south of south of Atlanta. You sort of hear that kind of stuff a lot. And it seems like sometimes we don't hear the same emotional connection from, you know, your neck of the woods. You grew up in Gwinnett County. Uh, you know, a lot of those metro Atlanta guys sometimes don't seem to have the same emotional pull for Georgia that the guys south of the Atlanta area sometimes seem to have. I mean, I guess you can say, well, Atlanta's a little bit more of a transient city. People who live in the Atlanta area didn't grow up uh, in the state of Georgia necessarily. But what else do you attribute that to? The fact that it seems like there's a little bit more of a hometown pull sometimes for Georgians farther away from Athens than there is for the for the guys who live a little closer to campus. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And I think a lot of it does have to do the transient nature of uh, Atlanta and Metro Atlanta families. I think uh, it's also noteworthy that Charlton County provided uh, one of the best family lineages that Georgia's ever been able to uh, witness in, in the Baileys. You're right. you know, Champ, Boss, right. Ronald. I mean, they all come from from Charlton County. So uh, it, there's some there's some good water down there. But when you're looking at you know the loyalty to Georgia, I think when you get closer to Atlanta and Metro Atlanta, I think the exposure to other programs, but um, there probably isn't those deep roots and loyalty to the red and black like you find in, in smaller towns across the state. I'd say the um, you know proximity to, to major uh, other universities matters. I think West Georgia, you know, you, you're always battling against Auburn and Alabama and, and North Georgia. You have Tennessee, and, and once you get further south, it's it's you know Florida, Florida State. But I think the access uh, probably to one having the transient nature of, of Atlanta, but two just the access to hop on an airplane and go watch other teams is a lot easier there too. So you know, I, I don't know all the whys, but those are probably some uh, circumstantial evidence as to why there's probably a greater loyalty to to Georgia in more rural Georgia than uh, once you get closer to the big city. I want to shift our attention to G-Day, and I joked before you joined us that it seems like every year I'm saying something to the effect of, oh, this is the most interesting G-Day we've ever had. Probably have a tendency <laughs> to overhype things. I'm probably guilty of that from time to time. Kind of a carnival barker by nature. But, John, this really may be the most interesting G-Day we've ever had because I think the quarterback competition is fascinating. And I think that Georgia, at least based on what Kirby Smart has said, is going to put these guys in a position on Saturday to show what they're all about. And yet, in addition to that, you got young running backs we want to see. You've got a crop of new playmakers, including a couple transfer wide receivers. People want to see them there as well. I know we say this every year, but at least on the offensive side of the ball, I think it's fascinating to see what Georgia looks like, how efficiently it can play offensively, and really who comes to the forefront, especially at the quarterback position. How interested are you in what you see from these guys here this upcoming weekend? Well, I think it's uh, you know it's exciting because you're coming off two national championships, and Georgia proved, if nothing else, last year that uh, replacing talent is something they're going to have to do on an annual basis. And you know, this time we're a month away from saying unbelievable haul of NFL prospects that are left in the draft, and how how are we going to? Uh, find ways and we're going to be relying on such young players and the same holds true now uh, a year removed because of the number of players that you lose and uh, specifically at the quarterback spot I mean it, it seems like that was a conversation that we had a couple years ago but this past year was already answered we, we felt pretty confident that Stetson would be the guy and, and continue to develop and, and boy did he ever and uh, this time of year, when you're you've got two trophies in the hall, and uh, you're replacing a quarterback, and the expectations are still through the roof, and you've been able to recruit at such a high level, and the team is still so young that there's a lot of excitement to see what do we have, you know, where are these guys at in their development, and still know that there's three or four months. Uh, before season comes, and they're only going to get better. So I think there's reason for the excitement, and understandably, uh, this G-Day is going to be important. It's, it's a good window into where we're at as a program and how do you continue to reach and exceed the exceptionally high expectations of 
national championships on an annual basis, which Georgia says is a realistic bar to hold. One of the things that Kirby's also talked about a lot this spring is, you know, kind of the idea of how quarterbacks operate, you know, their precision, not just their own physical traits of throwing the football, but kind of managing the offense in such a way that you're able to just go out there and operate and play football. Like to me, that's what G-Day oftentimes kind of becomes. You know, it's the old cliche of all the defense is ahead of the offense. A lot of times it sort of seems like that's true for George and a lot of other programs there as well, that the offense is just not quite capable of putting on a show you know, during its spring game, I mean, this across college football where, you know, you just can't go out there and connect the way that you'd like to in kind of a midseason form in the fall. And to me, that's what Saturday's sort of about of, hey, you know, Carson Beck's been here for four years, waiting his turn. Can he go out there and can he operate on Saturday? Can he put, you know, 10 other guys around him and can they click offensively and move the football? The same thing for Brock Vandegrift there as well. You know, can they go out there and, you know, when he's on the field, can the offense move? Is it going to be fun to watch? You know, I'm always sort of biased in favor of the offense during spring because I expect the defense to be good and they're kind of hamstrung by the rule situation anyway during a G-Day. To me, this is a showcase of the offense. Are you capable of moving the football down the field? And if you are, that to me says something pretty good. Yeah, I, I, let me uh, let me counter that a little bit because not always in spring games are you going to scheme and spice up the offense. I mean, yeah. You're going to go to some of your more bread and butter. Can our guys execute um, our mainstays, our staples of the offense? And um, and then we'll throw in some more wrinkles and plan for a defense as we move into the season, all those things. But I do think the defense has the advantage. I think uh, you have to coordinate all 11 guys offensively and get them on the same page, more so than defense. You have a defensive base breakdown that's away from the play, and it doesn't matter. If you have a breakdown offensively, then you know it kind of sabotages the whole play. And I think that that's probably one of the harder things is to get everyone uh, orchestrated and, and reading off the same sheet of music. And uh, what you see in spring game is that development. And as you go through, you know, I, I think – it starts off that defense has that early advantage of, you know, see ball, hit ball kind of thing. And um, the offense is trying to get more up to speed. But yet when you get to G day, it's like, all right, we've, we've had three or four weeks of practice now and we need to be able to put it all together. But it certainly isn't a a spicy (laughs) showing. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of game plan going on. There's, Usually a, a, a trick play or two that's probably more for kicks and, and to keep things light than you know something that they've uh, seen a weakness in the defense and they're trying to exploit. Let me squeeze in one more thing before I let you go. I wish I had more time to talk about this on the show today. We'll have to do more of this uh, later on in the week. But I thought that Kirby had some very candid and interesting things to say about Tyke Smith, the defensive back, uh, when he spoke to the uh, reporters on Saturday. And Tyke to me is an interesting figure. You know. You talk to people who know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Sounds like Georgia wasn't necessarily thrilled with Tyke when he first arrived, based on what kind of the rumor mill is out there. You know, you know, maybe questioning some of the speed, some things like that. He also dealt with some injury uh, here at UGA, and yet through it all, it seems like Tyke has been pretty patient. And it seems like maybe that patience is about to pay off because Kirby was actually really complimentary of him uh, on this particular Saturday, uh, talking about him kind of fighting for a role here on this team. And it sounds like he's in the midst. Of, of maybe getting some real significant playing time here this season john is a guy who you know was a player and maybe you saw this happen for some of your teammates you know sometimes when you're willing to be patient good things eventually happen for you and it seems like in the case of tyke smith maybe that's the case he's getting more acclimated with the sec he's sort of shaken off some early hype now become a little bit more of a real and grounded football story and it seems like it may be a story that ends up having a happy ending. I mean, what do you sort of see as a player when you see a guy like Tyke or any player like this who kind of goes through kind of a long arc to eventually earn some playing time and have that potentially pay off the way it sounds like it might for him in 2023? Yeah, I think expectations is always a part of the uh, evaluation, right? I mean, he comes in as you know, all-conference player and expectations were really high for him, and he's almost become a forgotten name on that roster because of the other guys that have stepped up and stepped into some of the roles. So as a fan, you're going, you know, uh, he, he didn't pan out, he wasn't a guy, and 
that we thought we were going to get and all those things. But um, I think it does say something when a player joins a, a program and sticks around and, you know, I mean, he, he was the guy uh, when he first got here, when he transferred in, uh, he's leaving that kind of role and status and has humbled, I'm sure, himself and been humbled through this process of um, not being that go-to player and not having those opportunities for him to, one, still be a part of this program, two, uh, be a name that draws recognition from the head coach is noteworthy. I think uh, it, it shows the work that he's put in uh, behind the scenes and is earning the, the right to be a part of the conversation again and is something to be lauded and uh, appreciated as fans. That That's not always easy. We're talking about you know, young men that are, um, yeah, you spend so much time working on, on the game and, uh, there's few opportunities to actually get out there and show, uh, and earn the opportunity to get some of the praise and, and benefit of all the work that you put in and for a guy that, uh, has been a part of the program now for a few years. I think this, it's, uh, it's a good situation for Georgia. It's a good situation for him that uh, he's he's positioned himself to be relevant as season rolls around. John, it's always great to have this conversation with you. You always some some insightful when it comes to everything happening with Georgia football. I uh, hope you enjoy a chance to see GD on Saturday. Certainly, we'll look forward to talking to you about that next Monday. And enjoy your week there as well. Thanks for being with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. Always enjoy it, BA. Go dogs. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I'm glad John said what he said there about Tyke Smith. It's one of those things I do want to talk more about. You know, coming off a weekend, sometimes you don't have time to get everything into a show you want to. And some of what Kirby said on Saturday about Tyke Smith was about as interesting as anything from the weekend. So we'll do more of that in sort of larger space later on the week when we have more time for that. But really strong words from John Stinchcomb about the idea of being patient, both the player being patient for growing into a role, the fan base being patient, allowing that to happen. And it seems like situations like this sometimes produce happy endings. Maybe in the case of Tyke Smith, uh, that's going to be the case there as well. Speaking of happy endings, we're looking forward ourselves to a happy story here as we go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. By now, a lot of you know we have our Dog Nation cruise here coming up really soon, but it's actually a different cruise I want to talk about for a moment. You know, yesterday was Easter, got together with my family, my uh, brother and his kids coming over with uh, me, my family, and we went to my mom's house and uh, all having that kind of Easter meal and get together there. One of the hot topics as we were getting together is the fact we have a family cruise coming up in june uh, a chance to do that weekend getaway three night cruise on board independence of the seas same cruise we're taking by the way i should say the same ship we're taking for the dog nation cruise and it's just one of those things it's just kind of fun to have the whole family talking about that looking forward to it and getting it planned and who's going to be doing what and you know grandkids trying to figure out where they're going to be sleeping on the uh, ship and things like that which which of the staterooms they're going to be in it's just a fun thing it's a fun conversation you owe it to yourself i think to create that own your own kind of fun opportunity and memory with your own family there as well because the conversation leading into a cruise for me is just as good as the experience that you have when you actually get a chance to be on board and then the memories you have afterwards but it's the anticipation that i always enjoy so much and one of the things i continue to hear including i, I got a tweet about this over the weekend there as well a lot of you have been very pleased with the level of service you've gotten from a travel agent specially selected for us uh, by Royal Caribbean. Her name is Jessica Slater. She's going to be on the Dog Nation cruise with us coming up. She's probably on a cruise right now if I know Jessica. Either way, uh, she's a great travel agent. She truly is very, very well versed in everything that goes on with Royal Caribbean. And she can help you plan the best Royal Caribbean cruise for you and those that you care about. So check out Jessica today. Give her a call 770-718-9147. 770-718-9147. And when you talk to Jessica, make sure you ask her about Icon of the Seas. Tell her that BA's been saying this on Dog Nation daily debuting january of 2024 it's the brand new uh, newest cruise ship from royal caribbean gonna have the largest water park at sea they've already introduced a lot of the bar and lounge concepts this is going to be unlike anything that royal caribbean's ever done before it's truly going to be an un unbelievable experience and i hope to get a chance to be on board myself here coming up in early 2024 and i know many of you love making plans for that already for yourself so check out jessica give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 you can find out more about that 
All right, now let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean today. There were a couple of SEC spring games this past weekend. Now, what I told you on Stinchcomb earlier is, is sometimes what you see from some of these teams in the spring is, is the offense just isn't quite capable of putting on a show. No matter how much you and some of these teams love to kind of orchestrate competition, so it's sort of ones against twos or starter level players playing against backups that's all done in the hopes that the first team offense can look good and give the fans a show but sometimes even with the stacked deck that's still just not capable of happening that was kind of the case for the auburn spring game on saturday and some of this may be due to weather in fact all of this may be due to weather obviously saturday was not a very pretty weather day very heavily marred the auburn spring game experience so please keep that with a grain of salt with what i'm about to tell you uh, but our friends at Saturday on South kind of chronicled some of the stats here. So uh, for Auburn, they had no completed pass in the first quarter. There was one pass completed for positive yards in the first half. Uh, there were drop passes all over the place. Five combined complete passes by the three quarterbacks that performed for Auburn this past Saturday. That is rough. That, folks, is rough. Now, as I said before, that's weather impacted. The weather on Saturday across the South was really, really bad. But this is an Auburn program where Hugh Freeze has already said, hey, if given the right scenario, I may go look for a quarterback in the transfer portal. And even if you explain it all the way via weather, not a big showing for Robbie Ashford, who frankly is not getting a chance to show his legs off in a spring game anyway. So that already kind of puts him at a little bit of a disadvantage because his athleticism is a big part of what makes him a good quarterback. You have Holden Garner from uh, he's from georgia he's one of the backup situations there at auburn that's a guy a lot of auburn fans like to see more of it doesn't sound like on saturday you got a chance to evaluate him very much so for hugh freeze who always kind of makes offensive success a big part of his coaching you know dna uh quarterback not exactly showcasing very much during the spring here keep in mind this is a hugh freeze who once took an auburn cast off at quarterback malik willis and turned him into an nfl prospect there at liberty so if anybody can get something out of quarterback it would seem to be hugh freeze but the spring game on this particular saturday uh not showcasing very much of that so do you explain all of this away via the rain and the bad weather that was there or does this open up the door for Hugh Freeze to go into that transfer portal, as he said he might, and start looking for a quarterback? We'll find out ourselves here over the course of the uh, next few weeks. Uh, Vanderbilt also had its spring game on Saturday there as well. I, I didn't see very much of this necessarily, but keep in mind, this was a Vanderbilt team that won a couple of SEC games a year ago, including against those lousy stinking Gators. So maybe that next step for the uh, Clark Lee administration, we'll find out if they can take that in 2023. They did have their spring game there on Saturday there as well. By the way, speaking of quarterbacks, I saw an interesting quote from uh, one of the NFL Network draft scout type guys. We talked about Hendon Hooker on Friday show and the supposed war of words that some Tennessee fans are hoping for when it comes to Josh Heupel and Kirby Smart. As we said on Friday, Friday show, uh, Josh Heupel does not play at Kirby Smart's level. Tennessee does not play at Georgia's level. And right now there is no feud between Tennessee and Georgia. Tennessee has to get way better to ever you know hope to be in some sort of feud situation with georgia there may be a certain degree of rivalry between georgia and tennessee that's based on tradition the current state of affairs though is is that tennessee is aspiring to get to georgia's level and uh for now georgia is in kind of a class by itself tennessee has restored its rivalry with alabama it beat them but hasn't come close to beating georgia in quite some time including during the uh uh, first couple of years here for Josh Heupel. We'll see if that changes in 2023, but as it stands right now, there is no back and forth between Heupel and uh, Kirby Smart. We'll have more on that for our golden shoe, by the way, coming up in just a moment. But one of the things I did say on Friday's show is, and we try to be fair and balanced when we can, is that for Josh Heupel, who we played some audio for in the show, about saying that nobody puts more on, on quarterbacks that we do. Basically, that's a way of saying, hey, we're developing these quarterbacks, our guys, and getting them ready to go on to the NFL. And obviously, Hendon Hooker's the guy that's been in that spot the last couple of years. And what I said on Friday was, hey, if Josh Heupel wants you know the entire program that he's essentially built around quarterback play, a little bit of a gimmick offense, I think, gimmick offense designed to make quarterbacks look good, if you want credit for what you're doing, then you need to put Hendon Hooker in the first round of the NFL draft. Now, we said on Friday's show, there's a chance that maybe he does that. And if he does, that'll be a little bit of a trophy on the wall for Heupel to say, hey, we may not play much defense. We may have only gone 10-2. and two. Uh, but at least we got our quarterback into the first round of the NFL draft. We're making ourselves a destination for quarterback. What happens with the hooker during the draft is going to be fascinating. And we said, you know, Mike Tannenbaum, for instance, from ESPN was on TV saying, 
that uh, that's a guy he'd take in the top five of the draft. We also said that Tannenbaum was a guy that's on TV because he got fired from the New York Jets, that his personnel decisions have been you know, laughably atrocious. That's why he's eligible to work as a television analyst. I'm not quite so sure that Tannenbaum stands as much of a defense or an endorser, in this case, for Hendon Hooker. But it's not just Tannenbaum saying that. You've got a guy named something is it James Palmer from the uh from the NFL Network quoted by Bleacher Report saying that you want to hear what teams think of Hendon Hooker he says or he asks there are plenty of teams that have him above the bottom two uh that means ahead of uh, Richardson and Will Levis guys who are thought to be first round level quarterbacks he says there are plenty of teams that have Hendon Hooker as the third quarterback behind just Bryce Young and CJ Stroud well if that's the case that'd be quite a uh, endorsement for Hendon Hooker and certainly by proxy quite an endorsement for uh, Josh Heupel there as well but if it ends up not being true and something tells me this is probably a little bit of an exaggeration if Hooker falls out of the first round then the idea that that Tennessee which has built its entire program around developing quarterbacks and and getting good stats for them at the expense of everything else including defense well that would obviously be a pretty disappointing Thursday night in a couple of weeks I think it's still too early to tell what's going to happen could Hooker be a first round pick there's a very good chance he could be uh could he get excluded as you know guys like Levis and Richardson and certainly Stroud and and Young go ahead of him that's also a possibility there as well this to me makes the NFL draft pretty entertaining because Tennessee needs this to happen they may get it but if they don't, people are going to be asking some questions about exactly what the Tennessee offense produces when it comes to uh, signal callers there. Now, obviously, there's an injury with a uh, hooker. That's not the kind of thing you can't overcome. The The knee is going to heal. He's going to be an NFL quarterback after that knee injury heals. So that alone shouldn't exclude him from the first round. By the way, one more point here about quarterbacks. I also saw where Prentice Air Nolan, a terrific quarterback from the Atlanta area, Langston Hughes. We talked about this the other day. It officially did happen. He has now announced his commitment to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Interesting that Nolan kind of becomes the replacement for Dylan Riola, the former Ohio State committed quarterback who opened himself in the open market and has been closely linked to Georgia ever since then, along with a couple of other teams. But it seems like Georgia's the one with momentum right now. Nolan, on the other hand, despite being in the Atlanta area, was never really on Georgia's radar seemingly at all. So another example of in-state quarterbacks kind of being you know, on their way other places. In the case of Nolan, a guy who put up huge numbers here in his junior season, um, you know, kind of only kind of looking at out-of-state programs for the most part. You know, took a visit to Clemson, been closely linked to Ohio State. Pretty big prospect. I will say, if you watch Hughes play this year, one of the things that I think you'll acknowledge is it's a little bit difficult to evaluate exactly how good of a prospect Nolan is because Hughes was so much better than everybody in 6A. They're just dominating everybody all the time and so the game comes pretty easy for Hughes that's not that's not Nolan's fault he helped contribute to that but in terms of evaluating him in comparison to other quarterbacks the likes of which Ohio State typically uh, recruits I would say the evaluation in game for Nolan's a little trickier just simply because Hughes is just so much better than everybody that plays if you want to compare Ayer to which is his nickname Aaron Nolan compare him to another you know former Atlanta area quarterback that also ended up at Ohio State Justin Fields for me Fields would be a better prospect and probably a much better prospect than Aaron Nolan but I do think Prentice Nolan's a good quarterback I do and I'm glad to see him getting a big time offer here Uh, I think he's one of the fun players to watch in our state right now getting ready to go into his senior season clearly he gets one of the biggest commitment opportunities that you can get right now in college football the Ohio State so interesting here that a lot of stuff has happened around the quarterback position Georgia other than the uh, commitment of Ryan Puglisi out of the state of Connecticut has been kind of content to watch all this play out Merklinger go to Tennessee uh, Nolan go to Ohio State Georgia right now content to let it play out and watch and wait with Dylan Riola early June official visit for him commitment decision coming up shortly after that uh, seems like right now the internet chatter connects Georgia and Riola pretty closely Georgia all in on Dylan the five-star and maybe Georgia going to win out with him eventually as all this plays out around them very very interesting stuff and we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean now speaking of our content from Friday's show we kind of highlighted the uh supposed war of words between Josh Heupel and Kirby Smart Tennessee fans wishing for a few between these two coaches despite the fact that Heupel as a coach does not play Kirby Smart's level we got a great golden shoe style submission from someone on uh, that very point our buddy Mad Dog weighing in on this using a popular meme from the show Mad Men you'll remember this with Don Draper where uh, <laughs> the character supposedly Josh Heupel says I feel bad for you and the character of Kirby Smart kind of the Don Draper role here says I don't think about you at all which is 
about the way I think we played. We would expect it to play out between Kirby and Josh Heupel right now. Very funny stuff from Mad Dog who says, Tennessee fans are trying to start a feud. That clearly doesn't exist. Mad Dog, you are so right about that. We'll give you a golden shoe for that. And by the way, our Gator Hater Countdown, speaking of another lousy rival that's got nothing going for him, the lousy stinking Gators, 201 days from right now, Georgia beats them again. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella, window and door of Georgia.